Has anyone ever apologized to you, but you were not quite buying it? Does it say something about you for not just getting over it? Or does it say something about them? Welcome to Asmuth Podcast. I'm Kimberly McNabb. And I'm Barrett McNabb. There's been a flood recently of apologies in the public sphere, uh, from celebrities to university presidents. When someone apologizes, should we just accept it? Are they for real, or should they even apologize in the first place? Uh, for example, our daughter will do all kinds of things. She'll run up and push her brother and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As soon as she gets caught. As soon as she gets caught. Uh, our son, wise beyond his years, uh, will usually respond with, sometimes saying sorry isn't enough. Uh, but still, she does apologize for a lot of things. But again, she- <laughs> does she mean it? Well, in the public sphere, we have celebrities like Susan Sarandon. She attended a pro-Palestinian rally in New York City in which she says this. There are a lot of people that are afraid, afraid of being Jewish at this time and are getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country, so often uh, subjected to violence. Wow. Yeah. Jews getting a taste of what it's like to be Muslim in this country. I'm sorry, I don't recall concentration camps and deaths of millions of Palestinians. Or how many Jews are allowed to live in Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, yet there are two million Muslims living in Israel. Yeah, so she apologized um, via her Instagram, and we'll go ahead and and publish this this apology. It's kind of long, but uh, Kimberly, can you give us some cliff notes? Uh, Yes. So the cliff notes um, for our listening audience is, I said that Jewish Americans as the targets of raising anti-Semitic hate are getting a taste of what it's like to be Muslim in this country, so often subjected to violence. This phrasing was a terrible mistake, as it implies until recently Jews have been strangers to persecution, when the opposite is true. Yeah. um, Are you buying it? No, I'm not buying it at all. I think she is only apologizing because her agency dropped her. Right. Now, do you even think she wrote it? Or did some PR firm uh, write that for her? Very well could be. I mean, it happens all the time. Like Neo uh, said something and the very next day uh, an apology was put out on social media and then the, right after that he's like nope that wasn't me so it was it was a you know PR thing yeah so, I, bet it, I bet it was a PR firm yeah and you know she's 77 years old why doesn't she just go off into retirement already uh, I know I mean you know when when you have all of these uh, these actors and actresses doing uh, political um, you know rallies and things like that, you really should probably be a little educated uh, more so than the common person because you are such a high-profile figure. Well, Juliana Margalis from ER and The Good Wife recently issued an apology for remarks that she made on the Backroom podcast. Let's listen. Hitler got his entire playbook from the Jim Crow South. Mm Mm-hmm. The Nazis were watching how the Jim Crow South were treating slaves and said, oh, great call. Let's do that playbook. That's what we'll do to the Jews. Which is also why in the civil rights movement, the Jews were the ones that walked side by side with 
with the blacks to fight for their rights mm -hmm. because they know. And now the black community isn't embracing us and saying, we stand with you the way you stood with us. Jews died for their cause. Where's the history lesson in that? Who's, who's teaching these kids? Because the fact that the entire black community isn't standing with us, to me, says either they just are, don't know or they've been brainwashed to hate mm -hmm. Jews. Wow. Yes. So uh, she received online backlash for the exact quote, either they don't know or are brainwashed. Now, I listened to more of this podcast. She later moves on uh, to blaming the brainwashing on the professors, not the black people or the LGBTQ community. So she pointed out that black people and gays later in the podcast mm -hmm. would have been per persecuted in Gaza. And, you know, and I believe this. When we were in Morocco, we would see people from sub-Saharan Africa, Africa yeah. uh, beg for money. And the looks on their the local Moroccan faces towards these black people was just of disgust. I don't think I've seen on a human face. Yeah, they, they were, you know, they're obviously sub-Saharan Africans that are uh, transiting uh, northern Africa in order to get into Europe. Um, but so they do have to, to stop in, in certain places like Morocco or Algeria mm -hmm. or Libya in order to, to continue on um, and either go across the Strait of Gibraltar on a boat or, or get on a, a, a small, unfit, non-seaworthy boat uh, across the Med. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. The the, the look of disgust was, was absolutely... Palable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so verdict on this apology. I, I really don't think she had anything to apologize no, for. No, I, I agree. She has nothing to apologize for. She did not say anything that was not true. This is just someone holding on to one little word and just carrying it down the field. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the fact that, that people can cherry pick um, and, you know, listen, re-listen. Out of an hour and a half long podcast. And, and grab onto a sentence and just cherry pick one thing. I mean, you have to understand the context of what she's upset about. She's Jewish. And what she's mm -hmm. set, upset about is the October uh, you know, massacre yep. um, that, that happened. And so um, she is, is just saying, you know, why do we have all of these protests going on in our academic universities and in our major cities? Do they know what they're protesting? Do they know what they're protesting and, and how come they're, they're not, uh, you know, there was not reciprocity uh, right. with Jews standing up for um, black Americans in the civil rights era um, to, to now? Yep. Uh, it just seems like it got forgotten. And that's all she was saying. Um, you know, so she did apologize. But again, I, I, I don't know. Unnecessary. I don't know if that was a PR firm that said, hey, look, you're probably going to lose work unless you do this. And, and so, you know, she apologized. But, you know, it's unfortunate because mm -hmm. I don't th I think she yeah. was she was she was right. But in Congress, university presidents of Harvard, UPenn and MIT were questioned if the calling for genocide against Jews violates the university's code of conduct. Uh, let's watch this clip from the congressional hearing. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard code of conduct, correct? 
Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. Specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. Okay. It is a context-dependent uh, so decision, Congresswoman. The, the longer version of, of this is five hours. Right. And I would not be happy to sit there and, uh, you know, have a smirk on my face if I were called to Congress to begin with, especially on such a su serious subject matter. It, they just look so smug, like, I am the president of a prestigious university. Right. <laughs> like, I could do no wrong. That's the look on their face. Uh, you know, a lot of this was... Um, you know, from the context that I've read and uh, and seen on on other podcasts, that they were over lawyered, um, that they obviously had a team of lawyers and and had prep, but they they lost their humanity. They didn't they didn't see the human side of it, and mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of their their problem. They were ready to go to trial versus ready to do the right thing and to mm -hmm. to just easily say. Uh, yeah, um, calling for the genocide of insert whatever you want. Yes. In this I mean, case, flip, it was Jews. Flip the script if it were any yeah. other group of people. Calling for the genocide of, of Hindus, calling for the genocide of Jews, calling for the genocide of Muslims. All of those things are wrong. Mm -hmm. they're, all, yeah. they're all wrong. Yeah, and just get the smirks off your face. Please, the smugness, please get rid of it. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it, it made the rounds. Any Anything interesting as far as uh, comedy goes? Uh, well, it's just, you know, I was disgusted when I first heard of this, but SNL did a skit after the congressional hearing. Let's watch. Ms. Stefanik. Thank you, Chairwoman. Now, I'm going to start screaming questions at these women like I'm Billy Eichner. <laughs> Anti-Semitism, yay or nay? I'm sorry, what? Yes or no is calling for the genocide of Jews against the Code of Conduct for Harvard. Well, it depends on the context. <gasps> what? <laughs> hmm. uh, first of all, if you want to make something funny, don't do that high-pitched, whiny voice. Right. Especially uh, if it's was, inaccurate. It was horrible. I mean, we just heard what uh, Elise McGill, um, sorry, Elise... Um, Stefanik's uh, voice actually sounds like, it sounds like a normal voice, and uh, she was not hysterical, not in parts that we've seen, and I've scanned the, the five-hour uh, congressional hearing, and then I think they really underplayed the smugness um, looks on uh, President Gay and President McGill's faces. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It just seemed as though, I think you touched on this, that, that they seemed happy to be there uh, in the congressional testimony just, just because I'm smarter than you are and I'm ready to prove it. Yeah, in the SNL clip, um, the person playing McGill was like, I want to get out of here. Oh, it's over. Oh, no, it's not over. And in the congressional hearing, she looked perfectly content to be, more than content to be there. Right. So... McGill, uh, President McGill did release um, a video after the hearing. Let's watch. Yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism, when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. 
In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. It's evil, plain and simple. I want to be clear. A call for genocide of Jewish people is threatening, deeply so. It is intentionally meant to terrify a people who have been subjected to pogroms and hatred for centuries and were the victims of mass genocide. Well, so what do you think? Was that an apology? Well, not once in that video did she say, I apologize or I'm sorry, uh, anything like that. So for me, I don't think it's an apology. Yeah, so I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think it was an apology. It it uh, it, it talked about um, you know her correcting her statement that it is not acceptable uh, to call for the genocide of Jews. Doesn't matter actually call for the genocide of anybody, but she seemed to correct the record on that. Now the problem I have is it did not come until. Uh, UPenn lost $100 million in funding, mm -hmm. uh, did not come until there was massive backlash. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, you know, it seemed she's reading from a teleprompter. Yep. Uh, you know, at least she's, she's not smug in that video. She's not. She's not smug. She's she's humble and she's saying, "Look, it is wrong. Uh, Jews have been persecuted, and it's wrong to continue to perpetuate that." But um, she I did think have it, five hours to say that. Yeah, and, and that that's that's the point that I'm trying to make is I think it is an apology, but I think it came too late, um, and so that's kind of where I where I see it. Well, if you want to argue it's a genuine apology, I say no. I mean. Someone probably told her to do it, and she's not getting fired. She's just going to be a law professor instead of pre president. So she's still yeah. getting a living. She she resigned. So leave a leave a comment uh, mm -hmm. below yeah. uh, if you think it was a legitimate apology, or do you think it was one of those gun to your head so you can try and save what's left? Uh, you know, statements. Yeah. Um, you know. So, but leave exactly. a comment and tell us. Exactly. Well, uh, President Gay is. Uh, facing a similar backlash, but, um, you know, there was a letter with over 600 Harvard professors in, in support. And so, you know, even if you fired a president, it's not going to fix the problems. That, that just shows you it's a deeper, deeper issue. I think everyone needs to be re-educated yeah, I mean, when when you're looking at um, President Gay's um, uh, testimony again, it was just again and again is calling for the genocide of a group of people. In this instance, it was the the Jews, but but insert anybody again. But uh, is the calling for the genocide of Jews uh, acceptable speech uh, at at Harvard University? And again and again, she kept saying it depends on the context. And and so what? What context is it? it, it what context it, would it take? Yeah, if uh, it was at a fraternity but, house over a beer, is it okay to say it? If it was a public speech on the steps of a dormitory, is it okay to say it? Is it okay <laughs> to say it in a classroom? Which context right. would it be okay 
whether it be a private discussion calling for the genocide of a, of a race of people or, or a public uh, calling for the genocide of a race of people context, and, and I don't understand. It's not just one person who thinks this way. These Har- other Harvard professors uh, signed this letter supporting uh, President Gay in the name of maintaining academic freedom. Well, you know what I say? I say we're free to not send our kids there. We're free to not donate there. Don't support these places until they get a moral compass. Yeah, and you know, obviously, there's that call of um, of employers are free to hire somewhere else as well. I mean, we have yep. law firms and and uh, other businesses saying, "Look, we want to know who all of these people are that are being anti-Semitic, so that we don't have them in our workforce." Yeah, and people are like, "Oh, well, that's cancel culture." I'm like, "No, because any employer has the right to hire whoever they think." will fit their not just their needs but also who f- will work well with the other Within their employees culture. their their yeah. work culture yeah absolutely so i i say you know what you don't want to support this don't donate don't send your kids to school there and don't employ people from there absolutely okay well thanks for listening and uh this concludes this segment please stay tuned after these messages hi everyone thank you for listening if you enjoy our show with all the stories we share We would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. Everyone is talking about presidential elections, but what is not so sexy, local elections. They're just not as exciting. But this runoff election here in Houston did get us a little fired up, but for different reasons. Well, welcome back to Azimuth Podcast. I'm with my wife, Kimberly McNabb, and I'm Barrett McNabb. So we went to vote for uh, the mayoral runoff. Uh, I was personally a little irritated because we went and voted, and then uh, we had to go back, and they had it on a Saturday, so that meant we had to take the kids. And so um, you know, we parked the truck, we're walking with the kids, they're five and six, and at a certain point, you know, from the parking, you have just signs, just on top of signs, on top of signs, and then there's a walkway going into the building. And people and are handing out You know, there are pamphlets, pamphlets. Um, saying, vote for so-and-so, vote for so-and-so, and then we see a six-foot-tall dude in a purple skirt matching top purple hair and um they were saying vote for so and so lgbtq we promise we won't trans your kids with our children right there and i wanted to pull a will smith at the oscars moment get the thought of my kids out of your mouth yeah, it was it was a little disconcerting because you do have uh, these people that um, and they're legally allowed to be there. They're legally yeah, up about, to a certain up, feet. up to a certain. I think and I and I think it's about a hundred feet away from maybe a hundred or, or two hundred from the front door. So there, but there is a line on the ground. It's delineated, and there's all these posters and things like that that um, or lawn signs that go in, and you can definitely see where the lawn signs stop. And mm-hmm. it's and there's nothing. Uh, you can't wear uh, shirts. Um, you can't have any. 
any uh, pamphlets. You can't uh, have uh, billboards or signs yeah. or anything like that. So, um, the, you know, I saw that that there were uh, people that were handing stuff in. And I don't take anything from anybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, that, that way I'm not cherry picking. Hey, I'll take your pamphlet. I won't take your pamphlet. Yeah, it kind of shows how you're going to vote. And, you know, most people were nice and bipartisan. They said, oh, your kids are cute. Oh, good for you for teaching your children the importance of voting. It's just that one person. Yeah. And, and I just said their agenda. And, and it just kind of bothered us. It really bothered us because, you know, our children are super young, five and six. Our son is six. Our daughter's five, just turned five. And um, and so we're wanting them just to be just to be kids. And so yeah, what and I, if you don't have kids, you don't understand everything's what's this? What's this? Why this? Why this? Why this? And that's not something that you're prepared to answer at, for a five and six year old. They're not capable of understanding it right so to so to, to to talk to us with our children right with us and to say don't worry we're not going to trans your kids um you know that's a that's an opportunity for for questioning and, and things like that so what i what i did is i is i kind of leaned forward in the foxhole a little bit uh as we were getting up to the um the the precinct to, to, to vote, uh, we had to do a, go through a, a crosswalk. We parked in a parking lot and then had to walk across the street in order to get into the uh, the election center. And um, it was an interesting uh, crosswalk. You, you hit the button and it, and it beeps. Uh, it's for the, the visual impaired and it says, wait, wait. And then um, when it's uh, time for to go, not only is there the visual signal of the of the white person walking, um, but then it has a lot of clicking and says, you know, proceed and things like that. So I was uh, talking to my uh, son and daughter about what why it was doing all that. And I was explaining that it was for the, um, the visual impaired. And I just kept that conversation going uh, as we're my, you know, meandering through all of these people handing all their their pamphlets and saying who to vote vote for and things like that so i was trying to create a a distraction um so that they wouldn't necessarily hear yeah fortunately you saw this individual because i try not to look at people as we go in because then i will feel kind of obligated to accept the pamphlets coming out of their hand or have them talk to me so i kept i keep my head down and so i didn't see them until right on them and fortunately it was like the one time our our child is actually listening to you instead of thinking about anything else. running around doing whatever he wants <laughs> uh but yeah so i, I kind of was trying to set us up for success um but again i, I thought it another was another year or two that wouldn't have happened yeah i i don't think so he he would have he would have noticed yeah sure. I, I i agree with you um it, but you know it was just completely you know an inappropriate uh uh conversation now now when we went and voted in the the general election this was the runoff and so mm-hmm. um uh, i guess it was three weeks two or three weeks before mm-hmm. this was the general election and um you know we were in the same zone we had just finished voting and we're in the same zone as we're walking back to our car mm-hmm. same election place and there was two groups of people that were in a in a in an argument um and there was uh, one person that was uh, talking about their uh, trans daughter and how proud of her they were and and I mean you're going to be proud of your children I got that but the other group was just saying, God bless you, and, and that's all they were saying. And, mm-hmm. and the other person started— uh, Just got more angry. Just got more angry. Uh, and it turned into this big, 
yelling match. Um, and we just we left. But you know, honestly, we didn't I, have the kids with us. So we didn't have the kids with us. It wasn't as big so. of a deal. But still, I, I think that kind of stuff is inappropriate. As as you're, you know, that's not the area to protest uh, or the area to have a huge yelling yeah. match as you're, uh, you know, even though you're just outside of the the, the voting line, yeah. but still. Um, um, but it's a big deal. I mean, it's a, it, it was, it was uh, really heated. Yeah. Well, some people may hear us say, oh, it's inappropriate to have this conversation in front of our kids and call us transphobes and you're unsympathetic or, or whatever. And, you know, I used to be a lot more sympathetic, uh, before we had kids and had something called disposable income. Right. <laughs> uh, there was this individual that would do electrolysis on me and I would go you know, for an hour or two every week, and you're going to talk to someone who's right here on your face. And it was a man trying to become a woman, and he, he had been in the Air Force. He, he uh, had been married, had a kid, and he said, you know, all of his life he had this confusion with how he felt about his body, and um, at first his ex-wife was supportive, and then she wasn't, and... Um, you know, he was on these hormones to look more feminine. Uh, I will say he had some really incredibly well manicured arched eyebrows. <laughs> but um, there was this confusion and, and just this like lost soul that you had to feel sorry for. And, you know, as he was becoming more a little more feminine looking and growing his hair out and stuff like that. And I, you know, I could imagine if he put on a dress and a heavy amount of makeup, he would look like a woman. And so he would tell me about these times when he would be out in public and people might address him as a ma'am or sir. You know, we are in Texas, so sometimes people hold doors open for people they think are female. And and he just didn't know how to feel about that. And, you know, and I, I, I said, look, you know, you're... This is, you know, long before the Bud Light thing. You're going to be the first, maybe only person, at least for a while, who is transgender. And they're not going to know what to think. They they just want to do the right thing. So if you don't know how you want to be addressed, just keep in mind, they've never experienced this type of encounter before. So you're going to need to be patient especially while you're trying to figure this out. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, in, in that kind of scenario, um, you know, people get in trouble for misgendering somebody, um, whether it be in academia or, or in, the, in the workplace or things like that. Um, there are some people, uh, some states that are looking at criminalizing uh, doing a, a misgender. But this person, this individual didn't know whether he he or yeah, she wanted to be genuine, addressed as, yeah, as he or she. Yeah, so I was I was sympathetic, and I'm like, look, if you're going to tell me to call you ma'am or something, I would have at the time. But now I feel like we're just promoting this mental and moral confusion, and, and now we're encouraging it, being forced to celebrate it so much that even businesses are turning against their business interest and their you know, their clientele, their, their money makers and turning against what their purpose is, is to make money. Right. And, you know, the, the colleges are supposed to teach you things and turning against what those things are supposed to stand for. And so now I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to do the pronoun thing. And the more this has been forced, the more I'm resisting. And that's kind of human nature. You're trying to push something on someone, they're going to turn away from it. That's right. why I've never tried to convert my Jewish friends, like, because I knew 
that in rural Georgia, they you know, they were going to get the evangelical Bible-thumping people in their face. And I knew to have their Christian friend do that, that would turn them off even yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and speaking of Christianity, you know, some people are like, oh, there's no, you know, God loves the trans too. And, and that's, that is true, but there is a, there is scripture to speak against transgenderism in Deuteronomy 22.5. It says, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to, pertains to a man. And, and, and that it's not really speaking to women shouldn't wear pants because God knows I wear pants all the time. It means in, in like military sense, like playing the role of a man being okay. on the front lines. That's, that's what that's pertaining to. Um, and then it goes on to say, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment for all who do. So are in an abomination to the Lord, your God. And so men are not supposed to play the role of women. That that's like women have roles, men have roles. And I think to encourage, I'm not saying condemn it, but I'm saying do not encourage transgenderism because or at least to d- press it upon somebody. Yeah, definitely who's don't press it upon someone else because to do so, in my view, is to say God made a mistake. Does God make mistakes? I hope I'd like to think not, but that's that's my personal opinion. Okay. Well, absolutely. So thank you for this segment, and please stay tuned after these messages. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. Hi. Welcome back to Azimuth Podcast. I'm here with my wife, Kimberly McNabb, and I'm Barrett McNabb. So, dinks, dual income, no kids. Uh, It was a term that was coined by the Los Angeles Times in 1987, and just recently it seems as though millennials and Gen Z have rediscovered this. Um, So let's go ahead and, and take a look. We're dinks. We go to Trader Joe's and workout classes on the weekends. We're dinks. We get into snobby hobbies like skiing and golfing. We're dinks. We can go to Florida on a whim. We're dinks. We're already planning our European vacation next year. Dinks. We get a full eight hours of sleep and sometimes more. (laughs) We're dinks. We get desserts and appetizers at restaurants. We're dinks. We can play with other kids and give them back. (laughs) We're dinks. We still do it three times a week. We're dinks. We spend our discretionary income on $8 lattes. (laughs) We're dinks. We max out our 401ks, Roth IRAs, and HSAs. We're dinks. We don't use our kids or dog as an excuse to leave a party. We just leave. (laughs) Well, you know... This is, you know, kind of an interesting thing. Again, they're they're rediscovering something that's already been invented. Um, this is kind of along the lines of a TikTok challenge that I saw uh, that was to write your name without lifting the pen off the paper. So, <laughs> so what millennials and Gen Z have rediscovered is cursive. Um, yeah, they, so, they taught me that in second grade. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just absolutely. <laughs> but that's, that's what you get when, you know, you overpraise your child, which their parents apparently did. Like, oh, little Johnny's so smart for, you know, remembering to wash their hands. Yeah, they're eight. <laughs> I mean, right. 
way too much praise. But but these these uh you know these TikTok videos where there's there's multiple people that are that are making these and and uh, you know posting them to the uh, the internet. But you know this is it's like they've rediscovered that after marriage. Uh, you can wait to have children. Um, now it seems as though they're saying they're they're never going to have mm-hmm. children, um, but but we waited five years. Yeah, before and, we had kids. So yes, we we did we did get to travel and do things. Uh, so yeah. Um, but to, but, but to celebrate it, I mean, we didn't think of it as, as a, hey, we don't have kids, uh, so we can do all this stuff. We yeah. just did the stuff, and we knew that we uh, wanted to have children at, at some point in time. But, but I think they're taking it a different tact yeah. uh, well, to it and bragging about it on the Internet. It, yeah. Um, one said, oh, get to buy all the snacks I want at Costco or whatever. I'm like, well, or, you know, they get to order appetizers and dessert. I'm like, well, you know, um I guess it's good that I don't, that we do have kids because I don't need all the snacks at Costco <laughs> or appetizers a little better for my waistline. But, you know, um, a lot of the people I see making these videos, you know, if, if you're a selfish person, then it's probably better that you don't have kids. I mean, we got plenty of people who are selfish and do have kids and, you know, you we don't need to point to specific examples to right. show how that's disastrous. Um but I mean, are know, they going to f- be fulfilled later in life? I mean, are they going to feel that they missed out? I mean, there was a, a recent article that I uh, read, and um, it was a woman who was uh, either 39 or just actually she just turned 40. And she is kind of lamenting the fact that that she never had kids. She was previously married um, and the husband wanted to have children and she just kept telling him hey look i don't want to have children it's not something you can compromise on yeah exactly i mean it's uh, there's kind of a binary thing that's going to happen either you do have children or don't have children but she wound up uh, uh getting a divorce and living her best life uh only to realize that she made a mistake and that maternal instinct or paternal instinct uh whichever you have it could hit later because you know i i had plenty of friends that 22 had two kids and I was like oh my goodness and um yeah I was definitely much older um now Elon Musk had something to say about some of these videos right yeah I mean his his big thing was um that that this is selfish uh of them because what basically what they're saying is is because they're not having people to enter the 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 working pool um, that they are going to have other people's kids supporting them uh, in their old age with their social security and and things like that. So um, he sees that as as them being selfish that other people are going to have to take care of them. Well, I mean, and and that I I definitely agree with that. Like especially when it comes to social security uh, tax, which probably won't exist by the time I'm that age. Uh, that or you have to be a hundred to retire. But not everyone ends up taking care of their parents as they get older for, you know, various reasons, whether the, the child is sick themselves or, um, you know, the, the parents, um, you know, are fitter, longer, um, or, you know, it's just too much for the child. You know, the, the parent is so sick and needs constant care and the child now an adult has to work yeah. way too much to, to do it. So there are various things that can go on. Like, 
you know, my dad is in a VA hospital bedridden. Um, like I physically cannot take care of a 200 pound med and roll him over every four hours to make sure he doesn't have bed sores. Um, and fortunately he was in the Navy and, you know, the VA takes care of it. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. On the other hand, my mother, she'll probably outlive me. She's, <laughs> she's what you call a badass. Uh, so, uh, another thing of, of this is, you know, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know how challenging, yes, it's challenging. And, you know, they, they probably understand, they may not appreciate, but they understand that kids are challenging because they mentioned being able to sleep. Yeah. Sleep. Um, (laughs) what's that? Um, but children push you to your physical and mental limits and you don't build muscle without ripping, you know, micro rips, you know, and it, and it gets bigger and it's true for anything else. Like you're challenged mentally to argue with a three-year-old about why you should do things that you don't even think about. And so that now for you have to explain it in ways that you haven't thought of explaining something that you think is so simple. Um, and then, you know, kids are copies of us and sometimes it's our worst habits. And then we see it and someone else, we're like, oh God, do I do that? Do I talk that way? Do I have that bad attitude? And they got it from me. Uh, I need to work on me being a better person. And so if you don't have someone mirroring that back to you, you don't realize it. And so they're not being challenged to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, um, you know, the fact that, that we were able to do all of those cool things, too, uh, and then have children, it, it's just uh, it's amazing to see the blank slate that they are. Um, our, our son has been um, reading for, uh, for this year. He's in first grade and, and it is so cool, uh, to see him, you know, reading signs, uh, reading menus, reading, you know, text that's at the bottom of, of, uh, of television, you know, reading my work, um, and, uh, and reading to his sister. Um, and she, you know, looks up to him as, as he's reading books and things like that. And it's just cool to, to see yeah. that, that, you know, two years ago he couldn't read and now he can read and, and, uh, and, you know, to see what the future is going to hold uh, for, for children, I think, is satisfying. Yeah. Um, and if these people have ever seen anyone have like that big aha moment, like reading or figuring out a math problem or something, that, that is that is pretty rewarding. It is. So, um, you know, and they need they really need to search in their souls, I think, Um is this something they really want? Do they want to be like this every day, all day for the rest of their lives? Or are they going to have that aha moment and then, you know, change their minds later and then resent the other person? Right. Because they don't want to change their minds. And what or, if one of them dies? Yeah. What if they die? They're not going to have kids and probably all their friends have kids. And, and, and so they're probably going to be really lonely. Right. Anyway, we just thought that this was kind of uh, an interesting topic of, of rediscovering um, uh, how to uh, spend your money without, have, without having kids and, and being these dinks. Uh, 1987, uh, you know, it's, it, you didn't rediscover anything. Or you, <laughs> you or didn't you did, reinvent the you wheel. Didn't, you didn't invent anything. This is all a rediscovery, uh, just like 
that TikTok challenge on on doing cursive. cursive. You didn't invent that. Uh, so, so so sorry. But thank you so much for uh, watching this episode. It made us laugh. I hope it made you laugh as well. And uh, stay tuned after these messages. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. Hi, welcome back to Azimuth Podcast. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Kimberly McNabb, and I'm Barrett McNabb. Now, we are parents, but do you think we're entitled parents like this woman? So... I asked my mother-in-law one day if she'd watch my kids for 10 days. Because What's with TikTok and eating stuff trip. while you're recording? And she laughed at me. And then said, you have to move closer to me so I can watch your kids. And then maybe I'll actually help you. So I said, well, you're showing me you won't help my kids if I live across the country. Why would I move closer? It makes no sound. Anyways, I don't understand how selfish boomers are nowadays. I'm not willing to help. If you want to help and you want your kids closer to you, then help. Hmm. So the um, overlaying text at the top says, grandkids aren't just a right, it's a privilege. Um I mean, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. it was, it, you know, sometimes I think people do this to to get sympathy. Sometimes they do it to do public shaming. Um, you know, well, who knows, right? Uh, you know, so we've we've encountered this, this situation. Sure. Uh, because, you know, we don't, we have one relative that lives close to us and then everyone else lives far away and they have their own kids and lives. And so... You know, and my mother still works. So first question I thought was, well, does your mother-in-law still work? Because 10-day trip, that's a lot of time. It's to a lot request. of PTO. That, yeah. that is pretty much all of, of some people's PTO. I mean, when I was at an accounting firm, it was five days. I mean, that's longer than my PTO. Uh, so there's that. Do, is she able to travel? Can she afford to travel and may not want to tell you? Uh, is she coming to you? Uh are, are, are you sending the kids there? I mean, they're, they're logical, logistical questions. And then also, are her children a pain in the ass? <laughs> because, you know, I, know, I know, I have some friends with some kids, I'd be happy to babysit them. And others, I don't want my kids anywhere near you. Uh, you or your kids. I might like you, may not like your kids. So, um, does she hate, the, does she hate that her kids, uh, eat, peanut butter out of the jar uh, with a spoon <laughs> well, and put is, it right back in. This is the daughter-in-law, so maybe yeah. <laughs> your mother-in-law just doesn't like you. Right. Uh, and also, she'd want you to speak clearly. Um, and then, how old is the mother-in-law? Like, my mother-in-law's up there, and you know she's older than my mother, and so my mother can naturally do more stuff. And, you know, 10 days is exhausting for anybody. Right. And, and how old are the kids? You know, a, five and, a hyperactive five- and six-year-old a lot more exhausting than, you know, a well-mannered 15, 16-year-old that can take care of themselves and just, you know, maybe legally need an adult that just sits there. So there, there are those factors. Um, and then, 
you know, at a certain age, most people want that retirement lifestyle. It's like, I did the kid thing, you know, I'm, you know, 75 years old, you know, I want to go hang out with my retirement home people. Well, I mean, and on on top of that, she, you know, references boomers, and and I have read some articles that baby boomers, you know, they worked hard, um, you know, their entire lives uh, doing this nine to five, you know, sometimes, oftentimes more, um, and they they finally have enough income where they can go on trips themselves uh, that they weren't able to go on. Uh, because the boomers have been paying off their children's college debt, um, their their you know you know we see some of these TikTok videos of of uh, the Gen Z kids going into the workforce and crying that nine to five is so hard. Nine these, to five is just a saying; it's not the actual clock in clock yeah, out time. <laughs> forty hours a week. Uh, you know they're upset about doing forty hours a week, and and these boomers uh, they defined the the 40-hour work week and, and worked more than that. So they uh, did that their entire lives, and this could be an opportunity for them to do stuff for themselves. Well, it also depends, I think, on how the family is structured because um, my grandparents had more children. Um, like my dad's side had six kids total, and then they started having kids, some of them very early. And so every time my grandmother was in town, she would watch some of my uh, my cousins, and when it came to me, it was like, I'm not interested in her. <laughs> uh. <laughs> she had been around kids like 40-something years. She was tired of it. And, um, and so, you know, also you have to remember that boomers were in, in colleges and stuff like during the, you know, bra-burning era of the mm-hmm. 60s, and so... You know, people were encouraged to do things that they wanted to do, not, you know, so obligated to the family structure. And so kids may not, you know, generations pass, and certainly this generation and, you know, people younger than we are, aren't as kid-centric. So they may not want to babysit or have as much to do with kids. Um, You know, one of the things I thought of is what's the timeline that she's asking her mother-in-law to uh, watch her kids. I mean, we went yeah. on a long trip, and we we started planning a year in advance yes. to have my mother-in-law, your mother, uh, watch our, our children yeah, for I, the, seven the, days? Uh, yeah, seven. I think the longest was nine. And again, it was at least a year out because she had to request uh, time off. And of course, the first thing I would ask is, are you willing Right. Is this something that would interest you? These are the dates I was looking at. I haven't registered for anything. I haven't signed up for anything, bought any plane tickets, nothing, until she had that paid time off on the board at her work. And this was our Alaska trip. When yes. you were running your 50th marathon, 50th state marathon, and and finishing up in Alaska. Yeah, so everything was, is this okay with you? Is this okay with you? Is this something with you know, what you know you want to do or can do. Um, do you need money to get here? We made it, hopefully, Mom. Is, hopefully as painless is, as possible. As painless as possible. And, and, you know, and same when his mom comes to babysit. Like, I try to have them fed and clean and, you know, everything laid out. And we're going to be back by this time. And so, anyway, she's she just seems very entitled. And at the end of the day, parents, you have to remember... You're the one that chose to have children. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's it, called consequences. Maybe your parents should have taught you more about it. There you go. Absolutely.
anyway, we saw this and we thought it was interesting and uh, made us laugh a little bit uh, and made us made us you know scratch our heads of of what it, <laughs> we're not guilty, are we? Yeah, are, yeah. Are are we doing this as well? So, but thank you so much for watching this segment of Azimuth Podcast. Please stay tuned after these messages. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in.